Hello, and welcome to the Idiot Book Nook, Episode 8. My name is Blazewing, and my pronouns are she, her, or they, them. I am the Reading Dragon. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Lady Punnett. My pronouns are usually she, her, sometimes they, them. Today it's a they, them kind of day that might be subjected to change. As one does. Awesome. And now for our episode disclaimer. We here at the Idiot Book Nook do not support the actions, views, or opinions of J.K. Rowling. We are simply Harry Potter fans who grew up with books during important times in our life. For, Hogwarts, for us, Hogwarts is and most likely will continue to be home. We do not condone the racist, transphobic and anti-semitic imagery that is depicted within the pages of these books is there anything else we should add to that fuck irl rita skeeter cats are superior so are doggos i can find no fault in either of those statements so with that being said i think we should get on with chapter eight of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So we are being narrated today by the Reading Dragon, and both Blazewing and Lady Punnett are pulling the voices, so just bear with us. Hello, Elks. Hi, Elks. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's, or Philosopher's Stone, narrated by the Reading Dragon, Blazewing 2010, and Lady Punnett. Chapter 8. The Potions Master Uh, who's speaking first? Look! Where? Next to the tall kid with the red hair. Wearing the glasses? Did you see his face? Did you see his scar? Whispers followed Harry from the moment he left his dormitory to the next day. People lining up outside classrooms stood on tiptoe to get a look at him, or doubled, doubled back to pass him in the corridors again, staring. Harry wished they wouldn't, because he was trying to concentrate on finding his way to classes. There were a hundred and forty-two staircases at Hogwarts, wide sweeping ones, narrow rickety ones, some that led somewhere different on a Friday, some with a vanishing step halfway up that you had to remember to jump. There were... Then there were doors that wouldn't open unless you asked politely, or tickled them in exactly the right place, and doors that weren't really doors at all but solid walls just pretending. It was also very hard to remember where anything was, because it all seemed to move around a lot. The people in the portraits kept going to visit each other, and Harry was sure the coats of armor could talk. Uh, sorry, let me do that last part again. And Harry was sure the coats of armor could walk. The ghosts didn't help either. It was always a nasty shock when one of them glided suddenly through a door and were you were trying to open, Nearly Headless Nick was always happy to point new Gryffindors in the right direction, but Peeves, the poltergeist, was worth to... No, oh boy. I just lost my 
place for a second there. You're on page 105 on the second paragraph from the bottom. Thank you. I was trying to zoom in and it just like scrolled me back a few chapters. We are, we are now experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Hmm. Beep! <laughs> You know, that that's normally for, like, an answering... Well, I guess in this case, voicemail. Mm -hmm. It's not an answering machine well, anymore. Well, aren't we supposed voicemail. to say Fuck, with I'm the technical old. difficulties, there's that loud beep at the end? Oh, yeah. Screw that beep. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. Did you find it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's try zooming in again. <clears throat> okay. <coughs> hey, how about we, like... Critter Shy says... Buzzing. Tyrion Phoenix says, as to be expected with this group, LOL. And Critter Shy says, <laughs> cue the elevator music. Yeah. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. <coughs> we now have the elevator music button. Okay. So I'm just going to start this uh, uh, paragraph again. Yeah, go <laughs> just for in it. Case. Go for it. Oh. We can edit it in post. Yes. For the podcast. The ghosts didn't help either. It was always a nasty shock when one of them glided suddenly through a door you were trying to open. Nearly headless Nick was always happy to point new Gryffindors in the right direction, but Peeves, the poltergeist, was worth two locked doors and a trick staircase if you met him when you were late for class. He would drop waste paper baskets on your head, pull rugs from under your feet, pelt you with bits of chalk, or sneak up behind you, invisible, grab your nose, and screech, Catch a cock! Even worse, when pe mm. Even worse than peas, if that was possible, was the caretaker, Argus Filch. Harry and Ron managed to get on the wrong side of him on their very first morning. Filch found them trying to force their way through a door that unluckily turned out to be the entrance to the out-of-bounds corridor on the third floor. He wouldn't believe they were lost, was sure they were trying to break in on purpose, and was threatening to lock them in the dungeons when they were rescued by Professor Quirrell, who was passing. Mm -hmm. Filch owned a cat named... Filch owned a cat called Mrs. Norris, a scrawny, dust-colored creature with bulging lamp-like eyes, just like Filch's. She patrolled the corridors alone, break a rule in front of her, put just one toe out of line, and she'd whisk off for Filch, who'd appear wheezing two seconds later. Filch knew the secret passageways of the school better than anyone, except perhaps the Weasley twins, and could pop up as suddenly as any of the ghosts. The students all hated him, and it was the dearest ambition of many to give Mrs. Norris a good kick. Don't. Please don't. Mrs. Norris might be... Maybe a butt, but she's still a cat. <laughs> I want to talk about this a little mm -hmm. bit down the line. Mm -hmm. And then, once you had managed to find them, there were the classes themselves. 
there was a lot more to magic, as Harry quickly found out, than waving your wand and saying a few funny words. They had to study the night skies through their telescopes every Wednesday at midnight and learn the names of different stars and the movements of the planets. Three times a week, they went out to the greenhouses behind the castle to study herbology with a dumpy little witch called Professor Sprout, where they learned how to take care of all of the strange plants and fungi and found out what they were used for. Easily, the most boring class was History of Magic, which was the only one taught by a ghost. Professor Binns had been very old. Indeed, mm. Professor Binns had been very old indeed when he had fallen asleep in front of the staff room fire and got up the next morning to teach, leaving his body behind him. Binns droned on and on while they scribbled down names and dates, and got Emetic the Evil and Uric the Oddball mixed up. Professor Flitwick, the charms teacher, was a tiny little wizard who had to stand on a pile of books to see over his desk. At the start of their first class, he took the roll call, and when he reached Harry's name, he gave an excited squeak and toppled out of sight. Professor McGonagall was, again, different. Harry had been quite right to think she wasn't a teacher to cross. Strict and clever, she gave them a talking to the moment they sat down in her first class. Transfiguration is some of the most complex and dangerous magic you will learn here at Hogwarts, she said. Anyone messing around in my class will leave and not come back. You have been warned. She th mm. Then she changed her desk into a pig and back again. They were all very impressed and couldn't wait to get started. But soon realized they weren't going to be changing the furniture into animals for a long time. After taking a lot of complicated notes, they were each given a match and started trying to turn it into a needle. By the end of the lesson, only Hermione Granger had made any difference to her match. Professor McGonagall showed the class how it had gone all silver and pointy and gave Hermione a rare smile. The class everyone had really been the class everyone had really been looking forward to was defense against the dark arts. But Quarles' lessons turned out to be a bit of a joke. His classroom smelled strongly of garlic, which everyone said was to ward off a vampire he'd met in Romania and was afraid would be coming back to get him one of these days. His turban, he told them, had been given to him by an African prince as a thank you for getting rid of a troublesome zombie, but they weren't sure they believed this story. For one thing, when Seamus Finnegan asked eagerly to wear... To, when Seamus Finnegan asked how... Let me try this again. When Seamus Finnegan asked eagerly to hear how Quirrell had fought the zombie, Quirrell went pink and started talking about the weather. For another, they had noticed that a funny smell hung around the turban, 
and the Weasley twins insisted that it was stuffed full of garlic as well, so that Quirrell was protected wherever he went. Harry was very relieved. Harry was very relieved to find that he wasn't miles behind everyone else. Lots of people had come from Muggle and, like him, hadn't had any idea that they were witches and wizards. There was so much to learn that there was so much to learn that even people like Ron didn't have much of a start. Friday was an important day for Harry and Ron. They finally managed to find their way down to the Great Hall for breakfast without getting lost once. What have we got today? Harry asked Ron as he poured sugar on his porridge. Double potions with sl- with the Slytherins, said Ron. Snape's head of Slytherin house. They always say he favors them. We'll be able to see if that's true. Uh, wish McGonagall favored us, said Harry. M- Professor McGonagall was head of Gryffindor House, but it hadn't stopped her from giving them a huge pile of homework the day before. Just then, the mail arrived. Harry had gotten used to this by now, but it had given him a bit of shock on the first morning when about a hundred owls had suddenly streamed into the great hall during breakfast, circling the tables until they saw their owners and dropping letters and packages onto their laps. Hedwig hadn't brought Harry anything so far, but she sometimes flew in to nibble his ear and gave a bit of toast before going off to sleep in the owlery with the other school owls. This morning, however, she fluttered down between the marmalade and the sugar bowl and dropped a note on Harry's plate. Harry tore it open at once. It said, in a very untidy scrawl, Dear Harry, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll let you read that. Go ahead. Dear Harry, I know you get Friday afternoons off, so would you like to come and have a couple and have a cup of tea with me around three? I want to hear all about your first week. Send us an answer back with Hedwig. Hagrid. Harry borrowed Ron's quill, scribbled, yes, please, see you later on the back of the note, and sent Hedwig off again. It was lucky that Harry had tea with Hagrid to look forward to, because the potions lesson turned out to be the worst thing that happened to him so far. At the start of term banquet, at the start of term banquet, Harry had gotten the idea that Professor Snape disliked him. By the end of the first potions lesson, he knew he'd been wrong. Snape didn't dislike Harry. He hated him. Potions lessons took place down in one of the dungeons. It was colder here than up in the main castle, and would have been quite creepy enough without the pickled animals floating in glass jars all around the walls. Snape, like Flitwick, started the class by taking the roll call, and like Flitwick, he paused at Harry's name. Ah, yes. He said softly. Harry Potter, our new celebrity. Draco Malfoy and his friends, Crab and Goyle, sniggered behind their hands. Snape finished calling the names and looked up at the class. 
His eyes were black like Hagrid's, but they had none of Hagrid's warmth. They were cold and empty and made you think of dark tunnels. You are here to learn the subtle science and exact art of potion making. He began. He spoke in barely more than a whisper, but they caught every word. Like Professor McGonagall, Snape had caught... Like Professor McGonagall, Snape had you catch every word. Had the gift. But yeah, the sentence just kind of repeats itself okay. here. Like Professor McGonagall, Snape had the gift of keeping a class silent without effort. As there is little foolish wand waving here, many of you will hardly believe that this is magic. I don't expect you will really understand the beauty of a softly simmering cauldron, with its shining fume, shimmering fumes, the delicate power of liquids that creep through human veins, bewitching the mind, ensnaring the senses. I can teach you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even put a stopper in death. If you aren't as big a bunch of dunderheads as I usually have to teach. More silence followed this little speech. Harry and Ron exchanged looks with raised eyebrows. Hermione Granger was on the edge of her seat and looked desperate to start proving that she wasn't a dunderhead. Potter, said Snape suddenly. What would I get if I added powdered root of asphodel to an infusion of wormwood? Powdered root of what to an infusion of what? Harry glanced at Ron, who looked as stumped as he was. Hermione's hand had shot into the air. I don't know, sir, said Harry. Snape's lips curled into a sneer. <laughs> Fame clearly isn't everything. He ignored Hermione's hand. Let's try this again. Potter, where would you look if I told you to find me a bazaar? Hermione stretched her hand as high into the air as it would go without her leaving her seat. But Harry didn't have the faintest idea what a bazaar was. He tried not to look at Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle, who were shaking with laughter. I don't know, sir. Uh, thought you wouldn't open a book before coming, eh, Potter? Harry forced himself to keep looking straight into those cold eyes. He had looked through his books at the Dursleys, but didn't ex But did Snape expect him to remember everything in 1,000 Magical Herbs and Fungi? Snape was still ignoring Hermione's quivering hand. What is the difference, Potter, between monkshood and wolfsbane? At this, Hermione stood up, her hand stretching toward the dungeon ceiling. I don't know, said Harry quietly. I think Hermione does, though. Why don't you try her? A few people laughed. Harry caught Seamus's eye, 
and Seamus winked. Snape, however, was not pleased. Sit down! He snapped at Hermione. For your information, Potter, Asphodel and Wormwood make a sleeping potion so powerful it is known as the draught of, the draught of living death. A bazaar is a stone taken from the stomach of a goat, and it will save you from most poisons, and as for monkshood and wolfsbane, they are the same plant which also goes by the name of aconite. Well, why aren't you all copying that down? There was a sudden for quills and parchment. Over the noise, Snape said, And a point will be taken from Gryffindor House for your cheek, Potter. Things didn't improve for the Gryffindors as the potion's lesson continued. Snape put them all into pairs and set them to mixing up a simple potion to cure boils. They swept around... He swept around in his long black cloak, watching them weigh dried nettles and crush snake fangs, criticizing almost everyone except Malfoy, whom he seemed to like. He was just telling everyone to look at the perfect way Malfoy had stewed his horned slugs when clouds of acid-green smoke and a loud hissing filled the dungeon. Neville had somehow managed to melt Seamus's cauldron into a twisted blob, and their potion was seeping across the stone floor, burning holes in people's shoes. Within seconds, the whole class was standing on their stools while Neville, who had been drenched in the potion when the cauldron collapsed, moaned in pain as angry red boils sprang up all over his arms and legs. Idiot boy snarled snape clearing the spilled potion away with one wave of his wand i suppose you added the porcupine quills before taking the cauldron off the fire neville whimpered as boils started to pop up all over his nose take him up to the hospital wing snape spat at seamus then he rounded on harry and ron who had been working next to neville you Potter, why didn't you tell him not to add the quills? Thought he'd make you look good if he got it wrong, did you? That's another point you've lost for Gryffindor. This was so unfair that Harry opened his mouth to argue, but Ron kicked him behind their cauldron. Don't push it. He muttered. I've heard Snape can turn very nasty. As they climbed the steps out of the dungeon an hour later, Harry's mind was racing and his spirits were low. He'd lost two points for Gryffindor in his very first week. Why did Snape hate him so much? Cheer up, said Ron. Snape's always taking points off Fred and George. Can I come meet Haggard with you? At five to three, they left the castle and made their way across the grounds. Hagrid lived in a small wooden house on the edge of the Forbidden Forest. A crossbow and a pair of galoshes were outside the front door. When Harry knocked, they heard a frantic scrambling from inside and several booming barks. Then Hagrid's voice rang out, saying, Back! Hang back! Hagrid's big, hairy face appeared in the crack as he pulled the door open. Hang on, he said. Back, Fang. 
He let them in, struggling to keep a hold on the collar of an enormous black boarhound. There was only one room inside. Hams and pheasants were hanging from the ceiling. A copper kettle was boiling on the open fire, and in the corner stood a massive bed with a patchwork quilt over it. Make yourselves at home, said Hagrid, letting go of Fang, who bounded straight at Ron and started licking his ears. Like Hagrid, Fang was clearly not as fierce as he looked. This is Ron. <laughs> Harry told Hagrid, who was pouring boil boiling water into a large teapot and putting rock cakes onto a plate. Another Weasley, eh? Said Hagrid, glancing at Ron's freckles. I spent half me life chasing you twin brothers away from the forest. The rock cakes were shapeless lumps with raisins that almost broke their teeth, but Harry and Ron pretended to be enjoying them as they told Hagrid all about their first lessons. Fang rested his head on Harry's knee and drooled all over his robes. Harry and Ron were delighted to hear Hagrid call Fit Filch. That old git. And as for the cat, Mrs. Norris, well, I'd like to introduce her to Fang sometime. Do you know every time I go up to the school, she follows me everywhere? <sighs> Can't get rid of her. Filch puts her up to it. Harry told Hagrid about Snape's lesson. Hagrid, like Ron, told Harry not to worry about it, that Snape liked hardly any of his students. But he seemed to really hate me. Rubbish, said Hagrid. Why should he? Yet Harry couldn't help but think that Hagrid didn't quite meet his eyes when he said that. How's your brother Charlie? Hagrid asked Ron. I liked him a lot. Great with animals. Harry wondered if Hagrid had changed the subject on purpose. While Ron told Hagrid all about Charlie's work with dragons, Harry picked up a piece of paper that was lying on the table under the tea cozy. It was a cutting from the Daily Prophet. Gringotts break in latest. Investigations continue into the break-in at Gringotts of 31st July, widely believed to be the work of dark wizards or witches unknown. Gringotts goblins today insisted that nothing had been taken. The vault that was searched had in fact been emptied the same day. But we're not telling you what was in there, so keep your noses out of it if you know what's good for you, said Gringotts spokesgoblin this afternoon. Harry remembered Ron telling him on the train that someone had tried to rob Gringotts. But Ron hadn't mentioned the date. Hagrid! Said Harry. That Gringotts break-in happened on my birthday. It might have happened while we were... Uh, it might have been happening while we were there. There was no doubt about it. Hagrid definitely didn't meet Harry's eyes this time. He grunted and offered him another rock cake. Harry read the story again. The vault that was searched had, in fact, been emptied earlier that day. Hagrid had emptied... Hagrid had emptied Vault 713, if you could call it emptying, taking out that grubby little package. Had that been what the thieves were looking for? 
as Harry and Ron walked back to the castle for dinner. Their pockets weighed down with rock cakes they'd been too polite to refuse. Harry thought that none of the lessons he'd had so far had given him as much to think about as tea with Hagrid. Had Hagrid collected that package just in time? Where was it now? And did Hagrid know something about Snape that he didn't want to tell Harry? And thus ends the chapter. And boy, does he know something about Snape that he doesn't want Harry to know. He knows something Harry doesn't know. <laughs> Dude, uh, oh, God damn it. Well, uh, technically, he knows a lot of things Harry doesn't know. <clears throat> that, yeah. That's totally fair. Like uh, how to do wand otherwise wandless magic <clears throat> and wordless magic, mind you. Yeah. So I just want to take a moment here. Uh, I'm going to scroll back because I'm using actually a copy of the book on my tablet that I'd put in so I can actually go through and highlight things so I can make notes as we go and I can highlight things and all that crap. And it's basically less pen and paper for me. Mm -hmm. I want to uh, move back to the defense against, just for a moment, the defense against the dark arts uh, class with Harry and Quirrell, mm -hmm. or the description of it anyways. One specific line for another, mm -hmm. they had noticed a funny smell. Yep. So from the turban, we know what's under the turban. And can I just yep. say for a moment, the rumors are true. It's moldy, moldy. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, how much of that? How long is that turban on that on Coral's head yep. on a day to day basis? When does he actually take that thing off to let Voldemort breathe? Because when your face is covered like that. And you are breathing into a cloth, like for uh, just to give like a um a picture here because of like pretty much majority of the world is doing this already, having to wear cloth masks on a day to day basis. After a while, that shit starts to stink. Yep. See, I have a different theory on why it's having a peculiar smell, which might also explain why he's insisting on having garlic everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. I think. Having Voldemort on him is similar to having a curse on him, a necrotic mm. curse. I think it is slowly killing him, making him smell like decay, so he's using the garlic to hide it. Moldy, that is fair. Moldy Voldy. Mm -hmm. I will say it again. Um, so, uh, Tyrion says, was gonna say, easier thing to highlight is what Harry knows that others don't. Critishai says, does he have to wash Voldy's face? LOL. Tyrion says, he's half undead. Criticize says, I do agree with that. And uh, apparently our install guy is early. So we have a secondary internet connection being hooked up today. Which means that me, I will try and keep the noise down as much as I can. But apparently the install guy is here now. Nice. So if you two want to continue on with your discussion, um, I'm going to go meet the install guy at the door. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to mute myself here so it doesn't impact your guys. Yeah, so it doesn't impact you guys. Okay. Uh, I, I want to bring up a fact about uh, Mrs. Norris mm -hmm. and Filch. Mm -hmm. First things first, I don't care what JK said about, oh, he's not a familiar, familiars don't exist. I'm sorry. If you share the exact same eye color as an animal, he's been described to have piercing yellow eyes. Mm -hmm. In this chapter, Mrs. Norris was described to have lamp-like eyes. Humans don't have lamp-like eyes. That's no, they don't. You can't change my mind. Secondly, we already have a staff member that's known to hate children. 
Mm-hmm. We don't need a second one. And most of the time, custodians, which is what uh, Filch is often referred to as, mm-hmm. are like the nicest guys. Yeah. So why couldn't we have like a nice, uh, nice squib character? Because the only other squib character we ever really meet is Mrs. Fig mm-hmm. later on. Why and can't Mrs. And Mrs. Fig, from what I remember reading the later books, wasn't that bad. Like, she was a bit eccentric and a little bit, like, um, like she wasn't a, she wasn't that bad of a character, though. She wasn't, how do I put this? Most of the squibs aren't really described as competent. Fair. So I would have liked to see, like, a competent squib character who is somewhat thriving in Malcolm. Mm-hmm wizarding society so um this is more relevant in the third book in the third book as we know Sirius black attacks uh the fat lady portrait mm-hmm. in the book it is said that it gets repaired by filch mm-hmm. and so i read this on tumblr someone said hey that takes like a lot of work to restore the book and when you look back later in the movies and in the books it's never described as having like even a scar so mm-hmm. someone was saying, oh, maybe he has, like, an art restoration degree. And these are magical paintings. He's able yeah. to fix the paintings. I want to see, like, nice guy Filch who's just really into art and would love to talk about art more. Maybe he talks about art with the kids and maybe not be a total bastard. I mean, maybe that would make it hard for, like, the fourth book with Dolores. But maybe Dolores shows him a new way. One second. Don't eat that. <laughs> I can't use this now. What was your cat trying to eat just now? Microwave popcorn. I mean, it should still be good. It poked holes through it. It won't be able to. It will ventilate weird. I mean, that's why you just open the bag all the way and pop it on in a pan. Why was this in my bedroom? I don't know. This is the oh. hammer situation all over again. <laughs> I don't live in your apartment. <laughs> okay. Back on track, though. I would have... We already have, like... I know in most schools, you have, like, stereotypically, that one teacher that doesn't want to be a teacher, but is a teacher for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. We don't need, like, two people who are dicks to kids. Right. So give me, like... I don't want a nice filch. Give me a kind filch, because kindness and nice are two very different things. You can be kind by giving someone a merciful death. Uh-huh. See, give me back like... when Oh, go ahead. Back when I was first reading the books, I did have a little bit of a headcanon as to Filch not being as much of an asshole as he's depicted in the books. Because he has a cat. He loves his cat. That cat is his baby. So it's like if if someone in the halls was like also really nice to Mrs. Norris, because Mrs. Norris the cat is a cat who doesn't like a cat, especially a fluffy kitty that is depicted in the films, I'm sure they would get along with Filch in some way or shape or form. Interesting note for, like- for those of you that have seen uh, the Fantastic Be- the two Fantastic Beast movies that are out. There is a theory floating around on the internet right now that Mrs. Norris is actually much like Nagini is. Mm. Oh, so a human that was stuck in a form? Yeah. Or cursed? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. 
Um, oh my god! Because of because of how smart that cat is, <clears throat> and because of how well trained she is, and because of a lot of her mannerisms, there are theories floating around that she is exactly like that. Head cannon now. There is now a head cannon for me. I have just this is just birthed a head cannon for me. What if, what if, Mrs. Norris used to be a human and that human was Filch's wife, or Filch's lover? That's actually the theory mm-hmm. floating around. Is that Filch was in love with? mrs norris when she was human mm-hmm. and that um when she made her final transformation and she stayed she ended up stuck in the form of a cat that he kept her around because despite the fact that her form has changed changed he still loves her <laughs> it's also proven it's also proven that um My brain just went blank. Oh, Filch is a squib. Yeah. Uh, Critter says, by the way, also, she's not a cat. She's an easel. That is a very good point. Uh, very similar creatures, or at least similar looking. Um, but yes. A what? A kneesel. A kneesel. Well, like a magical cat. Super magical. Oh. Which oh, okay. also attributes to the intelligence. There was one other thing that I came across, and this actually sent me down a rabbit hole when I read this. Mm-hmm. So... Moving over to the history of magic section, mm-hmm. uh, specifically with Professor Bins. People wonder mm-hmm. why are generations of so many furries. <laughs> 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 You're not wrong, Taryn. Um, so the the thing that sent me down a rabbit hole, easily the most boring class was history of magic, which was mm-hmm. the one, the only one taught by a ghost. Professor Bins had been very old indeed when he had fallen asleep in front of his in front of the staff room fire and got up the next morning to teach, leaving his body behind him. I went to find information on Professor Bins, and he is mentioned throughout the stories. He's mentioned throughout the games, and when I say games, I mean upcoming. Like, okay. mo- I mean upcoming mobile games. He's mm. mentioned in Hogwarts. Uh, he's mentioned in Hogwarts Mystery. But there is one other game called Magic Awakened that has been released in Asia and has yet to be released here in North America. And this has a take on it like a an almost trading card game style where you can collect cards and do spells and challenge people and whatnot. It's an interesting format, but apparently Professor Bin, there's a bit more information on Professor Bins within that game itself that I was able to uh, track down a little bit and just... Like he is mentioned a fair bit. Hmm. So, I mean, if you're into Harry Potter games, that's something that you could theoretically uh, take a look at when they release. Let me see if I can find a release date for it. I know I actually have it pre-ordered with the with the with the App Store because it's not released in North America yet. Uh, so I'm registered for that, and I do not currently have a release date for it. I think it was supposed to be sometime this year or next year, though. I, uh, just bouncing back to, uh, Filch for a second, because yeah. I don't want to forget this point. Um, now, mind you, this is going a bit more into headcanon possible AU thing. I think of, uh, Filch, similar to one of my dance teachers back in high school. Mm-hmm. She was very hard on, like, the first two years, so, like, on grade nine and grade tens, because basically what she was doing was she was seeing who was serious about the dance because she didn't want to use up her time on people who were just using it as like like people who took the minor course she mm-hmm. was very serious on them she wanted to see who was serious about it i think what filch is doing is like for the first three years possibly four 
he is very strict on the kids because a lot of them come from muggle born backgrounds so they don't know all the rules so he's strict on them so they know okay look you can't do this but mm-hmm. then by like years five six and seven possibly he's a little bit more lenient because they're so used to him being the hard ass mm-hmm. so he just takes that role as the hard ass and they don't well it's a lot like university so what my first year in university back in 2016 um one of the things that they tell you and you find this out very quickly first year university is designed to weed out people who can't who aren't going to be able to deal with the university life and people who it basically weeds out the weak effectively mm-hmm. and you what you're left over with at the end of first year and partway into second year is the people who are serious about wanting to study they're not just there to goof around and they're not just there to you know make asses of themselves or make asses of the university or you're left with people who actually want to study for the most part mm-hmm so that could also theoretically be part of his modus operandi as well, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. But I mean, it is what it is. So you know how the Star Wars universe is fully expanded in like the books that come out about them. Harry Potter seems to be doing that with every new game that comes out, whether it be mobile or console. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of an interesting way on expanding um, a universal lore or a lore, uh, the uh, the term I was looking for. It's an interesting way to expand the lore in a universe. There we go. And yes, I am aware that um, Star Wars has a lot of games as well to continue expanding on their lore. But the primary way that they expanded that universe's lore was through their books. Um, Let's see here. <laughs> Tyrion Phoenix. So yeah, universal lore. Yes! Technically, I was still correct. <laughs> can, you, can you not eat the ears on the hood, please? Thank you. Mm. Sorry about that. We have a new internet connection in the house. Woo! So. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's any other points to make. Oh, I think one of the reasons Snape was grilling Harry about potion information was, and this is, I'm not sure if this is ever proven in canon. It's been like a hot minute since I've read the books. But I think people have often said how, uh, yes, Lily was very good with charms, but I think there was also a theory going around that she was also really good with potions and she really took to potion collecting. James Mm. was transfiguration defense and I believe Lily was charms and potions, which Mm. let's just delve into that for a sec. I think that's part of what made them a fairly good team. Is that you've got somebody who's good at changing things into other things and like defensive shit. And then you've got somebody else who's good at like the the subtle art of potion making you know uh, the healing aspect or the the sneaky stuff and charms which tweak things slightly they've got lily a whole range support- of skills there yes lily was basically the supporter to uh yeah. james's fighter mm-hmm. yeah lily was basically the support casting class which i mm-hmm. love that 
Mm-hmm. And I think maybe Snape, uh, going off of what Paul, uh, Lady Pundit said, maybe Snape was looking for some of Lily and Harry just to like try to prove himself or convince himself that Harry's not exactly like James. Just that little glimmer of hope that he could like. And then like, Harry turns out his best class is Defense Against the Dark Roads. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we get into that in fifth year. So. Tyrion uh-huh. Phoenix says, you could say he was Harry's lucky charm, but I'm... God damn it, Tyrion. Crenshaw <laughs> says, I also believe that Sirius and James often tried to mess with Snape's potions while they were students, and I guarantee you that had something to do with the fact that Snape is currently in present day, well, in present day in the books, such a good potions maker is because he had to learn to fix their fuck-ups. He had to learn to mm-hmm. fix the things that they were screwing up for him, and he had to learn to work around them fucking with his potions, which made mm-hmm. him a superb potions maker over the course of seven years, because that is not something that just anybody can do. You mm-hmm. have to be able to learn to adapt if somebody's going to be fucking with your shit. I mean, he and he altered an entire potions book for the six-year class. Yes, effectively. His mother was very gifted as well, yes. I haven't gone too much far into the lore on Snape. I know just kind of the basic stuff, but let's not beat around the bush here. I don't like Snape. I've never pretended to like Snape, so my inkling to follow follow on lore for him is not as driven as it would be for some others. Tyrion Phoenix says, and one use only lucky charm at that. Yep, yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. If... If they had written Snape as someone who was still hard on Harry, but had even written something as, like, he seemed to try to restrain himself before something seemed to snap, that would almost make it a bit more interesting instead of just hating on children. Mm -hmm. Like, give me some, like, like, he's a great potions maker. He's a Mm -hmm. shitty teacher. He doesn't want to teach. But at least give me someone who's not just, sometimes something just sneaks out. And he has, like, this slight twidge of regret on his face, but is too proud to apologize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be more interesting than just an adult using their power of authority. And you mean to tell me that Neville Longbottom, who in his first potions class gets covered in boils from some unknown potion, is sent to the hospital wing that Madame Longbottom doesn't come storming to Hogwarts and tears his ears off? <laughs> also weren't they in the first potions lesson they were trying to create a potion that was supposed to be the cure for boil so why didn't snape just have malfoy who was being described as doing things perfectly use it on neville um i actually have a thing when it comes to that first class mm. um we have talked previously about the amount of trauma that Neville has suffered, psychological yeah. and potentially physical as well. We have gone into this, I think it was discussed in uh, the plat- the journey from Platform 9 and 3 quarters, and I think it was mentioned briefly in The Sorting Hat. Yep. Speaking of tragedies, real quick, Shy says, I think, not sure here, uh, oh, uh, before that, uh, oh, for sure, Snape's tragedies don't excuse some of his behavior. I think, not sure here, that Snape is forced by Dumbledore to stay anti at Hogwarts, is what Shy has said. Yeah. Uh, they that... could have been potion master of Hogwarts. They didn't need to have him teach potions. Yep. I think Dumbledore wanted him in that class specifically to watch over Harry. Um, but when it comes to Neville... And Neville's 
seemingly, uh, let's say, clumsiness or ineptitude when it, seeming ineptitude when it comes to magic. Neville has suffered a lot of trauma. I mean, mm -hmm. we find out later what happened to his parents. Mm -hmm. We find out kind of just the shit that's been going on with him. We we've already found out, you know, he was hung out of a window upside down by his feet and accidentally dropped out the window. And the only reason he survived was because he bounced. And that was the appearance of his magic. Mm -hmm. I think that because what have, what happened to his parents and because of the way he was try they tried to force him to prove that he was magic, that Neville is scared of his own ability. And this is actually shown in in uh, book seven, believe it or not, I think uh, it cements that because in book seven, we suddenly see this confident, brilliant young wizard who literally stands up in the face of adversity in front of the whole school and faces down Voldemort one on one grabs and, and the sword of Godric Gryffindor and fucking slices Nagini in half yep and you find out why that is very important in the second book yes uh for for those listening that um don't already uh know as to what happens in the actual books or the films or what have you and this is your first time experiencing Harry Potter uh we're not going to spoil that for you and that being said, another uh, thing, you also find out why Neville's development in the book series is extremely important towards yes. the end of sixth book, I believe. So, yeah. We also see later on in book one, Neville starting to... Crittershy says, Neville deserved so much better. And yeah, can we also just point out that even throughout all of the bullshit that Neville goes through, has gone through throughout his life, he is still one of the nicest boys in the yep. story. Yep. We, we see at the and we see near the end of book one, and we'll get to that later, that Neville actually starts to grow a backbone. And despite all of the shit that he's been through, that is the beginnings of it for him. Um, and we're going to talk more about that during kind of the last chapter whenever we get there. But Neville goes through such a transformation from the beginning of book one to the end of book seven. It's like a completely different person, like a light switch has been flipped. Mm -hmm. Neville Critter is... says... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, Crittershy says, I think it's at the end of the fifth beginning of the sixth that you're thinking about. Is the wand thing right? Uh, the wand thing. The wand, thing. the wand chooses the wizard. Oh yeah, the wand chooses the wizard. And okay, uh, here's an example of one of Rose Shellwood's main story arcs and what Professor Blacktide gave to her. Yep. Mm hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Um, that being said, guys, I think this is actually a good place to cut off discussion before we get too mm -hmm. much further into spoilers and shit. Oh, Kurdishai uh, brings up a good point. Um, throughout some of the series, Neville's wand at that time was not his in any way. You know what? You're you're right about that. Um, but I also think it has a lot to do with confidence in his own abilities. Mm -hmm. You know, he starts to become a little more confident in who he is. Each book we see him, he's a little more confident than he was in the last. And he's starting to gain a sense of almost self. And he's starting to stand up. And I think it was his grand that actually fucking 
did that for him. Was it book three? No, no, it was book five. Once we get there, there there's mm-hmm. a certain scene where, I'm, no, we're not going to do spoilers. Never mind. I, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, and I apologize. I have so much lore in my head on certain aspects of Harry Potter that I'm just all over the place and it's hard to separate what happened. Like it's hard to go back to a point where this happened in this book and I have to stay here. So mm-hmm. yeah. Let, let's not dismiss the fact as well. They did uh, when doing the casting for the films, they did a fantastic job when casting Neville. Can, can we just stop for a moment and say, you've seen Neville in the movies in book one. Have you seen Neville recently? <laughs> Neville is fucking Neville turned into fucking eye candy, man. Neville has mm-hmm. the the actor had for like uh the first 3 or 4 movies, he had to wear a fat suit cuz he was too skinny cuz he lost too much weight and it, it really hurt his self-confidence a lot apparently. Aww. Can we can we just say for a moment? Puberty treated him well. Puberty treated majority of the cast very well. And then you've got Daniel Radcliffe, who's doing, who, who's effectively made enough money that he's not going to have to work for the rest of his life, and he's literally just acting for the sake of acting because he enjoys acting, and he's only taking on projects that he wants to do, which has led to a bathrobe-wearing, gun-toting, crazed maniac on a poster. I love that movie that he was in. I saw that on Amazon Prime. It was, oh my god. It's amazing. Oh, and then uh, Daniel Radcliffe as the Swiss Army man. Yeah. Crittershy yes. says, it's hard not to info dump. It really is, especially as a neurodivergent individual. It is extremely hard not to info dump on a subject that I am passionate about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyrion Phoenix says, huge glow up. Absolutely, 100%. And Crittershy says, and they added bumpers behind his ears to make them stick out more. <laughs> oh, this poor kid! In the books and in real life. God well, damn. They, they tried to make their appearances match as much as possible. The only things they weren't really able to do was give Emma Watson the uh, buck teeth yep. mm-hmm. and uh, the contacts for Daniel Radcliffe because he was allergic to them. Yep. Yeah. Tyrion Phoenix says, and he can do the alphabet rap like a boss. Have you seen Daniel Radcliffe do yes. the fucking alphabet rap, man? I saw a clip of that and I was just like, I'm pretty sure my jaw hit the floor. Like we should, we should play that at some point here. Maybe, maybe towards the end of this book or towards the end of the series, we can just go through like all of the shit from the movies, like all of the background information from the movies, especially in clips or something like that. I don't mm-hmm. fucking know. Um, but I do think this is a good place to cut this discussion off. Um, and we should probably take a break. So, yeah, um, I'm gonna go ahead and pop our socials in the chat. So for those of you in the pod, listening to the podcast, if you'd like to reach us on the interwebs, you can do so. Uh, Lady Punnett is at uh, is on TikTok at paulina.avalon. You can find myself on Linktree at l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash blazewing2010. You can find The Reading Dragon on Linktree at l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash dragon. You can find our podcast itself, our podcast host, at anchor.fm slash idiot-book-nook. And our website, which is now updating every time one of our new episodes comes out, is idiotbooknook.wordpress.com. You can also find things like resources if we decide to add those in. We have an entire section for resources. This will include things like fanfics or background information or possible interesting clips or things like that. 
um, you can find us all there. But I want to say that for episode eight of the Idiot Book Nook podcast, this is going to wrap it up. And thank you very much for joining us. If you are on Twitch watching us live, please stick around because we have much more to come today. But for those of you on the podcast, again, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I'm Blazewing. And I'm the Reading Dragon. I'm Lady Punnett. And we will see those of you in the podcast next episode. For those of you on Twitch, we'll see you in about 15 minutes.